0: Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch.
1: Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. Today, Andy Joles and I sit down. Andy is the CMO at Fastspring, and this is his fifth CMO gig. We talk a lot about picking the right CMO gig right out of the gate here, but then we get into a really fascinating conversation on the second half of how do you know the company you've joined has potential? And that starts with understanding the total addressable market, or our TAM. And Andy gives us some real, specific examples of things that you can do to define your TAM and from there how you go about making sure that there is a category to build around and some of the tactics that he's been able to do of course at FastSpring, and some of the opportunities that preceded a great conversation about thinking strategically making sure there's a market to be won here we go Thank you so much for finding time. This is not your first CMO gig, multi-time CMO. What was it about FastSpring that pulled you in?
0: Yeah, so I've done a few CMO roles, and I've also, I think, if, if you look through my LinkedIn profile, you've seen that I, I jump industries a lot, and I I'm t- I tend to be very intellectually curious about, like, just a different industry, a different problem and when it when I met the folks at FastSpring, you know, I first you know met the CEO, and I just I, I really felt like this is a really interesting problem, like trying to figure out how we can bring more e-commerce to to the masses, and 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 really it's a big mission of trying to help software developers all over the world in small countries, big countries, release their software, and just build businesses on their own. And so that, that opportunity, I thought, was a really interesting opportunity. And then, of course, you know, great team, right? Just uh, so much of this at this stage is is about the people that you're going to work with. So, so that, that, that was it. That's what drew me in. So
1: it's interesting. I mean, I, I talked to a lot of marketers in general who just find comfort in what they know you know, understanding the space they're in, the ability to say, well, I can hit the ground running faster. What is some of the keys that you do? Because when you, when you jump into a CMO gig in an industry you've never been in before, your team that's there is kind of
0: smarter than you. Uh, How do you ramp yourself? Wow. So uh, you're going to love this. So my, my journey at Fastspring in terms of ramping. So one of the things I did was in COVID, uh, one of the things that happened to me was I bought a Peloton bike. And so when I joined Spring, I decided, you know, I'm actually going to turn down the volume on my Peloton and I'm going to listen to chorus calls. And I'm going to do this every day for like every day that I'm on the bike. And I was trying to get on the bike every weekday. And I'm going to do this every day that I can for three months. And just see like what 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 does this do in terms of helping me helping me ramp up? So that's what I did. I'm trying to get I'm trying to get other folks to 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 follow suit. But that was one of the things I did in terms of in terms of ramping. But trying to find little hacks like that, I think are really important. And and now that I'm on the other side and we're trying to onboard new folks, I, I find myself recording soapboxes and Doing these little recordings and sending people these these nuggets of of trying to help them onboard faster. So those are just a couple of the things in terms of trying to figure out like yeah how do you get how do you get up to speed? But it's it's the tough part. That's that's
1: cool. I like that. I'm sure Ali Love was still in front of you, but you had you know Correct. these these different you know maybe uh, deeper voiced overtones uh, that were coming through.
0: So you'll laugh, Randy. Like I have like the exact little stand that they have in peloton like i've got the same one that they have so i set up my laptop (laughs) and i put on chorus and i turn down the volume my workout probably suffers a little bit it's not quite as strong as when Allie or one of the other instructors is is yelling at me to go but uh it it was a way that i found that i could actually ramp ramp the business so very cool yeah you're
1: a marketing dj it's it's all good
0: (laughs) that's right
1: so we alluded to this isn't your first CMO gig. What do you think has evolved in terms of your selection process for finding the right opportunity for yourself? I'm I'm sure going back, you may have gotten lucky the first couple of times, but what has evolved in terms of how you search?
0: Well, it, well let me talk about my journey first, because I think it, be great. It, it might be a little bit different. Uh, so I did the marketing path, like started as a, product manager and became a a director of marketing and then moved up to VP of marketing. And then I took kind of a bypass of the CMO role. I went from VP of marketing to being GM of a business unit. And so I think because I got to actually see what it was like to run an entire P&L and run a small business unit inside a public company that prepared me maybe even more to be sort of at the C-suite level. And so my next role I just sort of felt like natural. Okay, well, I want to focus on marketing. Let me let me get back to a marketing role, and and it's going to be a CMO role. So that's the first part of your question, and then the second part of your question. I think the thing that uh, you know, I'm always looking for a great business, a, a particular scaling problem that the business might be having they're they're growing through they're going through some sort of growth pain right so i think that's really important for your listeners to think about is is what stage of company is really right for you like i don't think i'm really the right person at this point like 0 to 5 million like i just don't think like Fair. that's a different problem I think I'm better sort of once you have product market fit and trying to figure out, okay, how do you, how do you actually bring this to uh to more massive scale? And I've, I've done it all. I've done the, I've done the zero revenue piece and I've done up to 400 million. So I've seen sort of the gamut and, and figured out, okay, I think I know what my sweet spot is. And th- that would be the thing that I would encourage other folks looking at CMO roles is to, you know, a evaluate the product in the category, B, just figure out like where's your sweet spot? Where do you actually feel like you're you you fit best in terms of where the where the growth is.
1: Interesting. So you you hit on sweet spot and and when I when I was prepping for our call today, I I looked at your LinkedIn, which you referred to, and your about me refers to being this B2B marketing leader. But yeah. if I go back, that first CMO gig you refer to is not a B2B gig. I mean, and, and it's a significant company, cooking.com. I mean, you don't become the CMO there, have success, and then just label yourself B2B. What was it that eventually allowed you to realize you're a B2B marketer and B2C is part of maybe your
0: journey? Yeah. I, I, so going all the way back, I actually started my career at Apple and HP doing B2B products. And uh, at HP, it was actually hardware. And so that was where I figured out, oh, I don't really love hardware that much. Let me get to the software side. And then getting to the software side, I, I realized, wow, I, I really like the consumer. So I did consumer for a while. But what happened to me at cooking.com was I realized, A, it, it wasn't that fun to compete against Amazon, being candid. But but also, you know, I, I found that the folks that I was buying tools from, I I felt like, wow, this is really interesting. Like they're trying to solve a retargeting problem or a merchandising problem. You know, I was one of the first, I think five customers for Steelhouse. Like I was just very intellectually curious to try out some of this technology and I I was getting the bug. And then, but what I was seeing was, wow, on the marketing side, these companies are really struggling. Like they're trying to Do this in a very different way. And I thought, well, if I can take some of the B2C and pull that across the B2B, I'm probably going to have some success. So that's what I sought out to do.
1: Very interesting. Very interesting. So as you look at at the stage, which you you hit on as well before, there's got to be a very different mentality around the type of leader you need to be at a company that's at, you know, three, four hundred million. Versus zero to you know five as you alluded to, right? What is it about the role that you need to play at the board and you know even going perhaps to that exit that could be an IPO at some stage that's different at that scale? Like where does your role shift as a CMO?
0: Yeah, so I think the the first thing and and I was I was lucky. I've had some great CEOs along the way who who have mentored me really with the belief that the, the first thing of being CMO is the C, right? That you're actually an executive at the executive level and you're thinking about the business overall. And and going back to the Vico position that I mentioned where I was GM I think that really helped me think about the business overall. So I'm not just thinking about marketing. I'm thinking about the overall business. And I think as a CMO, you, you really want to get good at, and not just thinking like, what's the next dollar? Like, where would I invest the next dollar in marketing? But really thinking like, where would I, where would I invest the next dollar in the business? Cause it might, it might not be in marketing um and i know marketers don't want to hear that but to me that's the big difference between being a vp of marketing and a cmo is you're starting to think more about the, the entire business i think the other thing that's really different in this role and sort of at my stage is so much more of it is just about building a great team and the thing that i think about a lot now is is my coaching tree i really think about that i really think about like where where are the people that I'm helping to groom, and I'm giving them an experience here? Where are they going to go? Because I'm realistic. I think you know, people don't stay at companies for very long. I think the longest that I've stayed at a company is you know less than six years. So it's you know I, I don't look at folks anymore thinking like you're going to be here for you know this this company's on a on a twenty year ride, and you're going to be here for the whole twenty years. Uh, so how do i how do I help people you know get to that and I'll tell you so one of the things that I have in terms of recruiting is I want everybody who joins my team to be asked to be on a panel that's what they need to aspire to and it's phrased that way because this i this I had to work on because I realized like some folks are introverted some people want to come on podcasts some people don't Right. So, but I phrased it that way. And I said, look, I, I just want you to get asked. Um, I, I hope you'll do it. But, but if you say no, but, and you've been asked, then we've achieved our goal because you right. probably. are that company.
1: subject matter expert in, in helping. Very exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Well, Andy, we're, we're going to take a short break here. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about that other part you hit on, which is focusing on the business as a whole as a CMO right after a break on the marketer's journey. Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and 3M are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com slash journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences. One of the areas that Andy really opened up here is the idea that we don't have to stay in our lane, if you will. We don't have to stay in the same industry. And the opportunity for us is to think about problems that we're passionate about being solved. The key though is coming in and understanding through the information that pulses through your organization. He gave the example of listening to those chorus calls, those phone calls from customers. I think when we come in with that open lens, it brings new ideas, fresh blood into the company and allows us to listen in ways that our own team may actually need more. So one of the roles of a CMO, Andy, is to figure out where you fit in the market. And a big part of that is there's competition, there's finding your niche. You alluded to Fastspring being this company that you saw so much opportunity. How did you look at where your fit was?
0: Yeah, so I think every uh, every CMO needs to do this. You need to figure out what the TAM is, right? What the addressable market is, and you need to figure out. Hopefully, it's big enough, and it's that right combination of of niche but still big for me. And so that's where FastSpring really really fit for me was. It's addressing just software and SaaS. So the market is really crowded in e-commerce in terms of folks who are trying to be sort of all things to all people. But you know, we really felt like, wow, this this is a particular segment that has various specific needs around growing subscription subscription businesses and doing subscription management and figuring out taxes and compliance within the software business and within SaaS. And and yet I looked at the TAM and it's enormous, so we we, we just we felt like, wow, this is one of the fastest growing markets and a really big market. And the company had figured this out before me, but for me personally, you know, coming in and, and, and seeing it and thinking, wow, there's, there's a real opportunity, but it's also a positioning challenge. You have to go to the marketplace and say, hey, we, we don't do physical goods, that's not what we do. There's a few other things that seem like we might do that they're adjacent, that's not what we do. We are actually focused on this. So it, it it becomes a marketing challenge in terms of targeting and and figuring out, okay, who are really the, the right customers, what are the right personas, how do you go about it?
1: Interesting. And and I, I gotta say you've done a great job at, at really narrowing that down. When I was you know looking up with Fastpring, they naturally go to the website. And as you said, it's cross-border commerce for SaaS and software. I mean, it couldn't be more clear or I right. mean hyper-personalized on the fly based on who I am but uh but i think that is really you know that important element that comes off that tam piece i'm curious when you go about establishing that tam what are some of your basic tips for people because i think that's often a daunting strategy some people kind of shrug off the tam slide of their deck and some people really go deep into a process what are some of your basics
0: uh and i wish i had i wish i had a playbook that i could give to folks on this that, that was you know that was really refined but but a lot of it ends up being a- an analytical exercise to me this kind of comes back to the interview questions that i used to get back in grad school you know they'd say well how many gas stations are there in the us and and they were less interested in the answer and more th- like you know how are you going to think about the problem so I, I think whatever market you're going into, you're trying to think about, okay, how would I attack this problem? Where could I actually get data? How can I actually find this, you know, find this out? So for us in software businesses and SaaS businesses, we're looking for information that shows us, it's like, can we can we actually comb the internet and find examples of companies that have pricing pages? you know, maybe that's an indication. So pulling together, you know, uh, some of the information that we can sort of get creative on, and then there's a lot of of, of published information. It's always worth it to invest it. I think sometimes marketers, especially, will look at a a study that they'll see that's, you know, $2,000 that's going to help them get to the TAM, and they'll think, that's too pricey. Well, if it helps you shortcut this really quickly, then that's two thousand dollars well spent to 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 go figure that out. But I I'd say pull together the folks on your team who are sort of that combination of creative and and mathematical and and work with the product team. You know, work with the sales team, work with finance. Uh, oftentimes there are great folks in the finance department who are who are building models, right? So if you don't have that on your team, then you got to go figure out you know how to how to claw and scratch that to actually build it out. But it's a, a great exercise to go through. I've done it a little differently at, at, at different places, but ultimately trying to get to that answer so, you, so you, you have an idea that, you know, what you're chasing actually makes sense. That's
1: great advice. But I, I think we, we often skip over this part, right? We jump right to my next question, mm-hmm. um, but, it, but you've given us some really important tips in terms of actually understanding who are we going after beyond the persona, like how many of these people are there? Where do we find them? You know, my other question there is, you know, how do you balance wanting to be part of a big pond or, you know, the big fish in a smaller pond, if you will? And what I mean by that is, again, in the space you're in, e-commerce, I mean, there are massive giants like Shopify out there. Sure. Is it tempting to be in the same magic quadrant or wave that they may be in or are you more focused on building this niche into its own category of sort
0: yeah and it might even lead to another uh, another question or debate so i so i had a call with uh you know with Forrester, and i walked through our icp and just said so you know these are developers that we're talking to do you think that that's your icp because we're we're trying to figure that out, and I think we 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 figured out together. Like, it's not really that's not who developers are looking at. They're not looking at Forrester. They're not looking at at Gardner. So really trying trying to figure out sort of what their what their focus is on. I think in terms of like thinking about the big pond, and you and I have chatted about this a little bit, which is sometimes I feel like we're not looking at at big enough of a pond in a, in a way. Right. So we're looking at, it's like, well, my, my competition is, you know, is Shopify. And, and yet I love like that the CEO of American Express still says that their competition is cash. Like I love that Netflix still says that their competition is sleep. Right. I love that they're thinking about it in in a much bigger way. And so I, I think oftentimes I've been getting into categories where people are very focused on just the players that are in the space. And I'll give you one more quick story about this was going back to my my FICO days, which is there are three big credit bureaus. And so everybody just thought, like, that's the world. And the US government decided like we need to make credit reports free for everybody. And they were freaked out, right? They were like, oh, wait a minute, this is gonna be like this is gonna impact our business model. And a journalist called me and said, Hey, what do you think of this? And I said, if eighty million people, just eighty million people, wake up tomorrow and actually know what a credit report is and a credit score is, then my jobs are made easier. Right. Because now, like a whole universe of people actually understand the category that had no idea. We're not paying attention. So I think some of this is is really upon us to just to really educate around the category and to make folks understand, hey, this is something that we that you can do. You can actually do it this way. I think oftentimes marketers are missing that. They're like, oh, I'm too focused on the on the competition. And you and I could probably think of 20 categories where we see this. Two or three players in the space, right? And we're like, there's two or three players, but yet like that's not really what you're after. Like you're trying to get a, a massive amount of folks to understand that this category exists.
1: Oh, uh, it's it's such a great example. I I know at Uber Flip we talk a lot about our our biggest competition is someone using a CMS, even though we we don't want them to necessarily displace that. Just as to your point, we're not going to stop using cash. We're just going right. you know, to use this solution in more of those situations. And I, and I think that's such an important thing, both to rally your own organization. You you came back to at the beginning of our combo this idea of onboarding. It's so much easier for someone to come into an organization and think about the disruption versus get overwhelmed about, you know, conquering Goliath. Correct. Yeah. Well, listen, this, this is awesome, Andy. We're going to take one more short break. We'll have some quick questions for you before we wrap up here on The Marketer's Journey. One of the things that you should really be doing now, thinking back on this episode, is challenging yourself as to who is your competition and andy outlined this idea that your competition may not be your direct competitor but it's the market it's the old school way that people have approached a simple problem if you think about jumping in an uber they had to dismiss the idea of jumping into a taxi cab DocuSign had to get us to move away from signing and scanning documents on the fly and i talked to my team as i alluded to all the time that our biggest competition isn't some of the small guys out there it's the cms's that just can't do the things that we can possible. What is that old school way in your industry that you can disrupt, that you can show people that this is kind of silly, and it may take time for them to realize how silly that is, just like jumping in a taxi feels silly to many of us today. But over time, you start to show how your benefits outweigh those old school mentalities. We are back here with Andy. Andy, we've unpacked your career journey, a little bit about buyer journey. Now, let's hit you with uh, some personal journey and just how you think and how you tick. First, rapid fire question for you here is thinking about that next marketing leader. And I loved your answer before around ensuring that you create these subject matter experts. But I'm curious if you think that next CMO on your team, are they an expert in one area or are they more of a generalist in marketing?
0: So they're going to start as an expert in one area. They've got to create a specialty, but then pivot and build other specialties and ultimately become a generalist.
1: Love that. Yeah, I really agree with that. This idea of, you know, honing on a skill, make sure you love what you're in in the first place. So as you think of things that marketers do in your team, what's just one thing you wish they did more every day?
0: Oh, probably just Study. A little bit more kind of alluding back to the to the peloton chorus example that's probably just the thing that for not just my team but across all the teams i just wish folks would uh would study a little bit more
1: it's so true i mean the, the more we know the more context we have the better marketers we can be whereas many of us just try and go and you know get out that first campaign too quickly let me
0: let me just elaborate on that answer a little yeah, bit go for it first which is, I, I think I would say, I would say model more. I think that my team, if they're listening to this, they'd they say, gosh, that's that's your real answer. Like you want us to go find peers who are doing what we're doing, but they're a year ahead of us. And you want to model that behavior. So that's, that's another thing that I think is really, really big for me.
1: I like that. I like that. Uh, definitely learn from others. So speaking of modeling, what content marketing stands out and do you wish your team modeled more after? What what are the traits of content that gets you to click?
0: Oh, boy, it's really just deeper. You know, I'd say just really trying to go deeper. I think the the big problem with content today is most of it seems very, very surface-oriented or surface level, or it's um, it's not selfless enough. I think that's the other piece of it too, which is really developing content that you're not trying to get to your sort of ultimate goal. Like, oh wait, I'm really just trying to pitch this this thing over here, and that's when I'm gonna try to build content. This was one I learned from the head of digital at, at Starbucks back in my, my cooking days. They, they built their system to be credits and debits, And every time that they didn't talk about themselves was a credit. And every time they talked about themselves was a debit. And they basically said, like, a rule is like more credits than debits. So I I think that's the thing that, you know, I just, I want to see a little bit more of in content and push my team to do that. That's beautiful.
1: I like that analogy a lot. Uh, It goes to show we can learn so much from B2C and pull it over to B2B. Uh, (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: Last one for you, maybe the hardest one always is, uh, we've talked about different journeys, more on the professional side, but how do you take a break as a CMO for family, for yourself, and you know, maybe within that, where, where are you hoping to travel to next now that we can start to do that again?
0: Yeah, so um, so I've done quite a bit of traveling and, I, and my wife and I have succeeded in giving the travel bug to our kids. We're hoping to make it back over to Europe this summer but I'll tell you, the place that I'm really, I'm really itching to go to is, is Patagonia. So I'm trying to figure out how to, how to weave that in. <laughs> so, but that's, you know, and, and I, I think we, we'd love to live abroad at some point. So we, we talk about that and try to figure out like, well, how, how, how can we do this? How can we make that happen?
1: Listen, I I mean, the world has changed so much. It's starting to feel more realistic every day that we can work anywhere, we can connect anywhere. And, uh, you know, hopefully the next time we chat, Andy, uh, you'll be tuning in from another location with the kids uh, hiking up a mountain. I really appreciate everything you've shared today. If, If people are tuning in for the first time and hearing any stories, check out all of our other episodes. Every marketer's journey is a little bit different. I'm sure yours is taking its own path. And one day maybe you'll share it here on Marketer's Journey Podcast. Until next time, thanks so much for tuning in.
0: You've been listening to The Marketer's Journey Podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, at uberflip.com slash podcast, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.